Welcome to the Philip K. Dick podcast. In each episode of this podcast, I look at one of the works of Philip K. Dick in roughly the order they were published. In today's episode, we'll be beginning our look at the stories of 1955. And we'll be starting with a story that is a real doozy. It's a really wonderful story. In fact, I'd say pretty much all the stories published in 1955 are good. Um, I just covered a story I didn't think was very good, uh, Strange Eden, in the previous episode. But looking at this list of the book of the of the of the stories that came out in 1955, all of them are really stand out, and all of them really are important contributions to Dick's career. And certainly, that can be said of war veteran. And now, war veteran sometimes can get tossed away because there's a similar device used in. I think it's the zap gun. Um, but as in a lot of the stories in which Dick plays with an idea that he later develops in one of the novels, like he did in The Defenders and then later on in The Penultimate Truth, it's thematically very different, even though the device is similar. So in The Defenders, you have people in bunkers thinking the war is going on when the war is actually over. And the same thing's true in Penultimate Truth, but he goes in very radically different directions in those two works. Uh, about what it means and and why and the, and the purposes of all that. It's the same here. You, know, that you have a device that's kind of familiar uh, in that you see in the zap gun, but it the actual way it's used in the story is quite different. So it shows some of Dick's flexibility. Even though he gets sometimes get criticized of recycling ideas, he's almost always using them in in fresh ways. Um, so War Veteran is well. I'll go into the plot soon, so you can kind of enjoy it. Uh, as if you read it. Uh, I do urge you to read it if you're a Philip Dick fan and haven't gotten to it yet. It's rather long. It's almost a novella. Um, and I, I think, you know, some of Dick's short novels or really long short stories, however you want to define it, stories like The Variable Man or The World of Talent or War Veteran. Now, some of these longer stories are as rich thematically as his as some of his longer novels the other thing i want us to talk about here is because there's a device used in this story that gets reused in the zap gun and this is something dick did a lot and sometimes he was accused of being a bit repetitive and reusing ideas from his short stories into his novels and there, there's good examples of this like the defenders gets has a device that's used in the penultimate truth or the great sea has a device that's used later on in deus Ere. And here, this is used in the zap gun. And there's a handful of others, um, like the one with the dolls, right? That the What's the name of that story? I'm trying to find it in my list here. Ah, never mind. Um, but that, that device gets used, you know, in Three Stigmata of Homer Eldridge with the people playing and the, with, the, with the dolls on some kind of horrible planet. 
Now, I want to sort of defend Dick here, you know, from kind of self, the accusation of self-plagiarism, because whenever he reuses these ideas, he always does them in new ways and in fresh ways and says something new about it. So like in the Defenders, the robots are trying to keep humans below during a war in order to in order to basically prepare them for the next stage of human evolution, which would be kind of transnational identity or global identity. But in the penultimate truth, it's more like a, it's all being used by humans. It's a device by humans to manipulate other humans in, a, in what's essentially like a real estate scheme or con. Uh, so he does these devices in, in new ways, is all I'm saying. And so you can read this story and, and not be spoiled on what's going to happen in, in the Zap gun, for instance. It's not a one-for-one repetition of themes. Okay, so let's just get into the plot of this story. War Veteran, published in If Magazine in March of 1955. And you can find it in the second variety um, volume of the classic stories, or the collected stories of Philip Dick, if you have the Citadel, the cheap Citadel editions, which I assume most of us have. If you're lucky enough to have like the subterranean press ones or the other nice hardcover editions that come out, then uh, I envy you. Okay, so let's let's get into this story. Um, our opening scene in the story is our titular war veteran sitting at a park bench admiring the scenery. And he says it looks perfect, the scenery, like something he's never seen before. And he begins to sharing these 60-year-old war stories with some of the soldiers who are passing by. And they're mostly indifferent to his ramblings. In fact, they don't even seem to know whatever war he's talking about. So they basically think he's kind of off his, off his rocker. A little bit. Um, and we'll know why pretty soon. So that's just kind of setting up the story a little bit. But then we kind of move into the next section. And we have a character, Vatchel Peterson. Patterson. And he's got three passengers with him. Edwin Lamar V. Stevens. Which the V as a preface stands for is for Venusian. So he's an off-worlder. And then Evelyn Cutter. And they're stopped by a major pro-Earth demonstration. Kind of an alt-right sort of nationalist, racist group that's sending his hate towards the people on the off-world colonies. Patterson explains that these mobs are being supported and encouraged by naming Francel Gannett. These pro-Earth militants are a small minority, we're told, and they start, but they start to move away uh, and towards a girl when they see her, and it's a Venusian girl. And Venusians are called webfoots by their by the racists because of their adaptations. And this idea of mutants being best suited to live on offward colonies is something Dick played with a lot in the world Jones made. In fact, that's that's a central plot point of that novel. And they attack her. V. Stevens gets out of the car and rescues the girl, whose name is V. Raffia. So here's where we learn that basically Venusians have this V as their preface to their name. He explains to her that he's a Venusian too, and then they go towards the hospital to give her a hand. Later conversations in the car show that the incident really angered V. Stevens, and he basically thinks that Venetians need to leave, Venetians, Venusians, need to leave Earth uh, for their own safety. Basically, you know, saying that they need independence to be free. Right. So this idea that Venusians are basically being limited or constrained uh, uh, by their association with Earth made worse by the fact that you have this racist, you know, kind of anti-foreign element on Earth that's making life for Venusians much harder. Now, Patterson wants to change the subject. So he introduces V. Stevens to the case of the of the old veteran who we were introduced to 
earlier in the story and basically he doesn't have an id card he has an id card number that's not been issued it'd be like if we find someone who has a social security number there's no that social security number has never been issued to anyone which is a really odd experience and this we learn pretty quickly he's essentially a time traveler now the old man whose name is david unger is called to the hospital and he begins walking there and he sees some Venusians and he proclaims shock and accuses soldiers of not doing their duty by just letting these Venusians walk around. Right. Like it'd be like if you saw like a World War Two veteran, you know, sees Nazis walking around or something and no one does anything. He's horrified that, you know, these people are just allowed to, you know, do their business um, at the hospital. He's introduced to see this. Patterson, who we learn is a doctor there. Unger tells Patterson and his colleagues that he was born in 2154, which is in the future. What else do we learn about him? He said he entered the military and he participated in this long war between uh, against Venus and Mars. He was there at a battle that broke Earth's defenses and led to the destruction of the Earth's population. Patterson and Cutter know very well that all the events he's describing will happen in the future. So it's revealed that he's a time traveler. And if he was born in 2154, he'd be like 15. So he wasn't born in the future, but he was born just like 15 years in the past. But here he's an old man. Uh, so that doesn't make much sense if he, you know, no one could have aged that much. And the events he's talking about never happened. So he would be 15 years old now, 15 years old, old now. And then at some point in the future, there's going to be this war that's going to destroy Earth. Basically, the Venusians and the Martians are going to win this war. So meanwhile, V. Stevens gets the news and is soon convinced that Unger's reports prove that Earth will lose the war against the colonies. So he tells Patterson to inform Color Ad, which is kind of a new speaky term for the colonial offices on Earth. All right, these are the people who are basically managing the bureaucracy for the colonies. Or he says return to, v you know, or that if he's not informed on this, he's going to return to Venus and spread the, spread the news. There, they're going to force a war on Earth, knowing they're going to be victorious. So here v, v Stevens realizes that here's our chance. We're going to win this war. Earth can't defeat us, so might as well push for our independence now while we can. Francis Gannett, with the team of soldiers, enters, kills V. Raffia, captured V. Stevens, and, you know, kind of get the revenge, finish the job that they wanted to do earlier in the story. Basically, they're outright murdered, or Raffia is anyways. With Gannett, Patterson, and Lamar, well, basically, it, it, this news spreads that what's going to happen in the future based on Unger's stories and the story is essentially that sea missiles from Venus and Mars will render Earth uninhabitable. Now, Lieutenant West is also here, and he's accompanying Gannett, and he's told that he will be the commander of the Wind Giant during the final battle. And this is all more reports they're getting from Unger. West hopes that Unger will be able to reveal information that will allow them to change their fortunes in the war. So now they think, well, maybe we can change the future. Let's, let's take for granted that Unger is a time traveler. What can we do to basically win this war based on the information he has? He can maybe talk about what battles they lose or, or whatever. Now, Gannett, who earlier promoted these pro-Earth sentiments, thinks that the best path forward is to avoid war altogether um, because he, he's a believer. Now, 
Lamar decides to free V. Stevens from his confinement because he's basically been captured by these these right wingers. Um, stealing Lamar's cold bean bean, which is kind of like a gun. V. Stevens incapacitates Lamar and escapes on his own and contacts the colonial offices. Now Unger is struggling to remember the details of the battle because he's hoping to pass on this key information that will give Earth an advantage it needs in the war. West decides that he can stop a key convoy. If he can stop a key convoy, the battle could be won based on the information he got. But without precise information, they couldn't really take the risk of starting a war that they might likely lose. So they need basically a better plan and more information. Now the young man who had Unger's number reports to serve. So this is actually Unger as a young boy, at least that's what they think. But the 15-year-old turns out not to be named Unger at all. His name is Bert Robinson. Patterson briefly questions him and allows him to be inducted into the military. Gannett, Unger, and West walk towards him, and then Unger is killed in a massive explosion. Moments later, as West and Gannett despair that they lost their one means of prep winning this war, this future war, this war that has not yet even started, V. Stevens is revealed to be Unger's murderer. A census report comes in proving that there's no man alive, 15-year-olds or any other age, named David L. Unger. And, you know, certainly with these characteristics that they reported. So it seems something else was going on here. Now, a lab technician who starts to investigate Unger's body tells, reveals that, it, you know, after the autopsy or whatever, that Unger was not a human at all. Actually, he was just a very sophisticated android. So here's the kind of catch in the story. The twist in the story is that this wasn't a time traveler at all, but a robot programmed to believe it was a time traveler. And then the, the rest of the story is really like, why did this take place? What was going on here? Well, Lamar tracks down V. Stevens, who has since hid his identity and changed his skin color from green to green or from green into another color in order to hide in Earth. So the Venetians are also green, not just web-footed. Lamar gets V. Stevens to reveal the entire plot. And um, so it's all kind of revealed here. Unger was, in fact, an android created by the colonial offices in order to frighten Earth into giving Mars and Venus independence. So basically, it was a propaganda device to scare Earth into thinking it couldn't win the war and then forcing the Earthlings to just give up the colonies. So all of this future about a war that Earth couldn't win and how they're going to be annihilated, none of that is, is real. And then they also wanted to get the pro-Earth movement to simmer down, to think it's fa it will fail. Now, V. Raffia was also an agent of the colonial offices. V. Stevens, Patterson, and Lamar reconcile, which is a bit unrealistic, I suppose, after all that's happened and all the machinations and manipulations going on, especially by V. Stevens. But they do reconcile due to their mercular commitment to peace. They basically say, well, peace is more important, and we want to have peace between the colonies and Earth. V. Stevens predicts that cooperation will eventually allow the exploration of other worlds, and then humans from all planets will get to see what a real alien looks like. Because, uh, of course, the Venetians aren't re Venusians aren't real aliens. They're simply muta mutations. We, we get a nice quote here that kind of, we, we're reminded of Dick's kind of optimism about the frontier and his hope that kind of out extra stellar exploration could be a way of, of bringing humanity to a new stage of its development. In this case, it would be to get beyond its petty racism and conflict that is, you know, developing between the colonies and the, and the homeworld. V. Stevens says, 
Sure, one of these days we'll be moving out into the stars, into other systems, we'll bump into other races, and I mean real other races, non-humans in the true sense of the world. Then people will see we're all of the same stem. It will be obvious when we got something to compare ourselves to. And then Patterson says, you know, I'm not sure about that, you know. And then V. Stevens says, some of these non-human races ought to be pretty hideous. After a look at them, Earthmen will be glad to have their daughters marry with green skins. Some of the non-human races may not have any skin at all. All right. So in a, kind of the story turns out to be actually about racism and the opening scene where we have this kind of racist mob attacking evolution that's actually in large part the theme of the story so we have a frontier story here we have a story of of race and racial conflict and racial reconciliation we have also a story about an android programmed to think it's something it's not which is something dick has already done a little bit uh, what was the name of the story the one where the guy had a bomb Anywhere, the, the, it was an android with a bomb in him, but he was programmed to think he was just a regular dude. And, um, you know, so he's done that before, but it's really well done here, uh, I think. And it's a really interesting idea to have the, the false uh, time traveler. So, um, as I already said, this is a really rich story. Um, and it's just, this is a really good example of why people really should read the, the short stories and not just read the novel and not just jump to do it. Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep or, or, scan, or Scanner Darkly because there's so much wonderful material in here. So this story, War Veteran, shows Dick considering the relationship between Earth and the colonies at their most intimate level. Previously, we've seen wars between Earth and the colonies over trade rights, over other differences. Here we see that over a century and a half, the people living on Mars and Venus adapted to their environment. They're still human, but they look incredibly different. So the Venusians have these web feet and green skin. And this develops into kind of a racial animosity between the Earthlings and the, the sort of, not quite post-humans, but the mutation, the mutants that evolve on Venus. We don't really get a picture of, of what the Martians look like, I don't think. But instead of giving us a simplistic picture of Earth full of Earthlings at war with the distant colonies, which we've seen before, you know, in the Variable Man, for instance. But we, we see here that the Venusians are coming back to Earth in large numbers. They work at various jobs. They're trying to coexist. And this is what develops the racial animosity. It's not because the Venusians on Venus are bothering the Earthlings so much. It's really they want Earth for the Earthlings. Movement is what is the focus of this. So it's very much a, a racist, anti-foreign, anti-immigrant uh, sentiment here. Now, sure, many Venusians want their political independence, and there are many radicals who are willing to go to great lengths to get that. I mean, V. Raffia is, is one of these people who basically sets up this scheme through this colonial office to try to get their independence. But generally, they're not eager for war or conflict either, as, as V. Stevens shows, that there's... You know, there's not this desire to really kill each other. It's just this feeling that there's going to be a conflict growing up, growing up over this. Earthlings are also deeply divided over the colonies as well. Some people are friends with Venusians. Some people are co-workers with them. Others are quite quasi-fascist nationalists or really outright fascist nationalists who are promoting nativism. And we're reminded of The World Jones Made, which was written or published around the same time as the story. It had very, actually very many similar themes here 
There's also these liberal voices. They believe that Earth and the colonies can share the solar system, can evolve together, and eventually this idea that they can set out for other planets together is the real hopeful message at the end. The news that a horribly destructive war is imminent tests the perceptions of the liberals who really do want to believe in coexistence but have evidence in front of them that that's not the, the outcome they can look forward to. And even the liberals begin to grow suspicious of the foreigners and nativists begin looking for ways to compromise by the end of the story. So these kind of get turned on their head a little bit. So it's, it's really wonderful what he does here with these different characters. And I know there's a lot of them and it's hard to maybe follow when I just kind of give the brief summary. But I mean, the story itself is almost 50 pages. So if you read it, it's it's easier to keep all these people straight. But but you actually see the nativists, the, the kind of the, the anti-immigrant types becoming more willing to compromise when facing their death. But it's the liberals who realize, well, maybe we shouldn't trust these Venetians quite so much. So it's a little rather it's rather complicated, it's complicated. The main device in this story is this apparently senile old man claiming to be a veteran of the last war. And it turns out he's just an android developed to spread fear among the earthlings. Uh, and we actually have other examples in Dick's fiction of the robot propagandist, especially in The Clans of the Elfane Moon, uh, where that's a whole subplot in that novel is kind of Cold War style propaganda robots who go out and to across enemy lines and spread messages. Now, this one is trying to basically fear, cause fear among the Earthlings and hope of convincing Earth to just give independence to the colonies. But actually, the story is cleverer here. From Unger's point of view, he's a time-traveling veteran. He was implanted with memories as real as any. Now, some people may prefer the story where Unger is really a warning from the future, right? The, you know, that we've seen that so many times, though, right? The time-traveler warning about the future. And I don't you know, Dick really subverts that and is really brilliantly done here. So it's not testing if Earth can change its destiny, right? There's, it's all a lie, and there's no, there's no actual truth to the story he's telling. So, um, you know, that's that's simple. We've seen it before, but this I don't know if we've, we've we've seen before in science fiction, and you know, I haven't read enough other science fiction of the period to to say conclusively that if Dick is original here or not. But it certainly is subverting certain tropes we have of the time traveler story. So the fear of a war with Venus and Mars is is very real here. Um, both because we have Gannett's nativist propaganda and fascist movements. Um, and it, it's something we're going to see really well developed in the world Jones made. Terran nativist is used to basically lift a fascist leader to power. In fact, the Venusians and Martians don't seem to present any real threat here. Uh, the only threat they have is this imaginary threat of a, of a war they're going to ultimately lose. Um, but they are seen as by many as a dangerous element. This causes the ranks of the military to swell. We see war preparations. We see paranoia among leaders. And we see other dangerous trends, such as the Gannett movement itself. But whatever the motive is, it's dangerous to fan the flames of war. And we actually get to a point where characters on both sides, well, V. Raffia dies, so we really don't know what the colonial office thinks about this, but Gannett regrets his propaganda campaign when he realizes that this was not just a political game, but actually something that could have led to possibly the end of humanity. Now, again, we don't know what that is. That's just when he realizes Earth could lose this war or is going to lose this war, he starts to really regret that he was building up this nativist resistance. 
Now, we only get in passing at the end of the story, uh, but we, we get the frontier stuff again. We get Dick's fundamental optimism about space exploration, as in the Variable Man or Mr. Spaceship uh, or Time Out of Joint and the World Jones Mains and these kinds of stories. In War Veteran, we see exploration as a means for humanity to escape its narrow-mindedness and cultural decadence. Lacking a stellar frontier, humans are destined to turn into various subsets of humanity, squabbling over their small corner of the universe. Only by reaching out into a larger stage will humans be able to escape their tendency towards parochial, parochial, insignificant, petty racial conflicts. So um, that is War Veteran, really a story you should go read. Um, thank you so much for listening to this episode and this podcast. If you have any comments on this story, if you've read it and you have thoughts about it, please please share them below or send me an email at 100pagescast at gmail.com. I'd love to, to hear from you. Um, and we're entering into this really exciting period. The stories of 1955 are all first rate, first class. So um, I'm excited to begin this, this new phase in Dick's career uh, with you. So uh, I'll be back shortly with another story. Uh, it'll be Foster, You're Dead, uh, another story about war and paranoia. So there's some common themes between war veteran and Foster, You're Dead. But this one is set much more in the Cold War paranoia of 1950s America. So uh, I'll be back shortly with that story for you. Um, so you can read ahead if, if, if you're reading along. So again, thank you so much for listening. And I'll, I'll be back shortly. Possess my tired thoughts once more. That living dies, that living dies, that living dies. Till